What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I'm Ronan Gain, and joining me as always is Christian Nambu. Thank you very much for making Coast to Coast your first choice for NBA coverage. And remember, we are free and available on all platforms, and you can also watch every episode in full on our YouTube channel, along with all of our best hot takes. Just search Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. We are continuing with our team previews in the Western Conference. Today, we're talking two big ones, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers. Two two exciting teams here, Chris. I, I think I'm more uh, I'm more excited about the Lakers than I thought I would be, but I, I guess we'll, we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> there's a pretty pretty low floor for me to be excited about them. But um, first and foremost, we got to talk about our Timberwolves. I said it earlier, I'm, I'm feeling like a Grizzlies type this season for them this year. When we look from top to bottom and what they've done in the offseason, you know, they got Tim Connolly in there. They got a great GM. They've got a rising star. They made a crazy splash this offseason, and they're riding a really, really high momentum after you know challenging the Grizzlies' last playoffs. But let's just jump into how the, the Gobert trade can transform this team and maybe bring them even further. Yeah, I mean, they made such a, a power play with this with this trade. I mean, last season obviously was a was a huge year for the Timberwolves because they got back into the playoffs, had a winning season. Of course, <clears> they <throat> lost in the first round, but they went out and they plugged the biggest hole that we saw in their team in the playoffs, which was rebounding and paint protection by bringing in arguably the best rebounder and the one of the best defenders in the entire NBA to their team. I mean, like, he's a three-time defensive player of the year, of course, Gobert. But the uh, the Timberwolves were giving up 12.5 offensive rebounds a game in that playoff series with the Grizzlies, which is just absolutely insane. And, like, yo, if you're doing that, you, you, don't deserve, you don't deserve to win. Like, that is just horrendous. And then they bring in this Rudy Gobert, and you just know – there ain't no way he's going to let that happen to this team again. Exactly. And you look at that playoff series in particular, you got guys like Xavier Tillman out there. What is he? Six, eight, six, eight, six, nine, small ball center. You got Kyle Anderson, uh, the new Timberwolf. He also was out there playing some small ball center. I mean, the Grizzlies are a team rebounding machine and the Wolves are not. So I think that there's, Two things of this, because you're absolutely right. They're terrible last year in rebounding and defense. Um, they're last in defensive rating. They're 11th in uh, points, opponents' points in the paint, um, which wasn't terrible, actually. Um, but the rebounding, though, was absolutely off. They're 27th in defensive rebounding percentage, and the offensive board just killed them. And that often, um, as we talk to our Tim Wars friends across the league, it's very apparent when you watch these games, like they go on these crazy runs and then it's the discipline. It's the lack of rebounding. It's a lack of getting back on defense and it's that consistent effort. And that's something that Gobert is going to mask. And that's all well and good. You know that he's going to bring them a lot higher than last in defensive rating. And you saw what his effect was in Utah. So he's definitely going to do that. I think I'm curious, you know, that that's an obvious thing for me, but is that going to, make them better and allow them to improve defensively and allow them to improve in their focus on getting on the boards, getting the fast break, um, which they were really good at. I mean, and in fast break, they were fourth in fast break points in the league offensively, you know, that the focus was there. 
but can can Gobert give them a very good floor to get better? So I see Anthony Edwards, you know, we, we're all talking now, but he gained 11 pounds of muscle. Um, are they going to get better defensively, focus more? Because then that's going to unlock that sort of like defensive-minded championship mentality that they're going to need to really make this big swing that we think they can make, just like the Grizzlies did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that, that's kind of down to Gobert and uh, the entire team, and Chris Finch as well, as the, getting Gobert isn't just a guy, they're not just bringing him in to cover up the holes in the rest of the team. They're bringing him in to be the floor, be the guy that they all play off and improve their own defensive game, their own ability to rebound, their own desire to to defend. It can't just be Gobert goes in there, oh yeah, he, he's our cover. We don't really need to worry about this. That if that's the way this trade is gonna is gonna end up as a failure for the Timberwolves, and it's just gonna be a, a big old mess. They might get to a few playoffs, but they won't they won't go any further than that. Yeah. And I think let's let's talk about what he what he brings offensively. I think we, we might have mentioned this, you know, in passing. Um but I think I think specifically we need to think about what this does for for their big three that they had already. You know, what, what does this do for D'Angelo Russell to start out with? Because you know, we're all excited about Edwards, we're all excited about Cat and how they're gonna take the next step. Cat's evolving his game, becoming even more of a perimeter player. Um, you can see his three-point shot shooting just completely explode now that he can just spend more time in the perimeter and the way that he's developed and gained so much more confidence, not that he needed anymore already, but with the shooting stroke and getting better. But D'Lo seems to be the odd one out, like the guy who's, you know, they're just, okay, just pass more and don't, don't shoot too much. Just let, let them do their thing. I, I think he's actually going to have a more dynamic role in this team than ever because of this pick and roll partner that he has. Um, you, you look at the numbers. D'Lo is actually in the 99th percentile as a pick and roll uh, point guard you look at Rudy Gobert I mean it's pretty obvious if you've ever watched him that he is in the 99th percentile as a role man he has arguably his best pick and roll partner ever and he's an amazing passer like he's not he's not just passing down to Cat and Cat's getting easy but like he's a creative passer pocket passer lob thread like he can make any sort of pass with both hands and he's the kind of guy that you know he's going to feast off of all these new offensive opportunities, especially the ones created by Gobert. So I, I think we can actually see a revamped season for D'Lo as he's kind of embraced this new role as like a floor general and a primary playmaker and not a scorer. Yeah. I mean, he arguably has one of the, the toughest roles on the entire team because he has to be hmm. smart enough to be able to feed all the males that need feeding on this team he is the lead, the lead playmaker, the only the, the the main natural playmaker on this team, the main point guard. But he also has to find time to to get his own shots and make his own play, make his own attempts at scoring plays. But last year he averaged eighteen points, seven seven assists. That was a career high in assists for him. I think now he's gonna really benefit from playing with a, a legit pick and roll player. He he's that's where he really really dominates as as a guard. But I think we could see him take a little drop off in terms of points per game. Maybe he's around 14, 15, but then you could see another bump in his assists and he could be the type of guy who's who's challenging for the uh, the playmaking crown, assist, assist, leading the league in assists per game because of the talent that he has around him. 
and the ability ability that he has as a passer. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you have you have Ant. He's going to continue to get better as an off ball shooter. Um, Jaden McDaniel's, who I think has all the opportunity in the world now to be a great cutter for this team. The, the way that he's going to be able to slide in with, you know, you got actions on one side with with Ant and Carl Anthony Towns, um, D'Angelo Russell and Gobert, and then there's just too much going on there for McDaniel's not to also get some looks there. And I, I think that's that's actually true when, when you think about it, like who's going to have the hardest job here, you know, life's going to be easy for Ant. I mean, he's, he's, it's Finch's job to make sure things are easy for Ant so that things can flow for him and the game is going to, you know, come to him as a, as a young rising star, you know, Towns, I think his role is going to be even more simple and he's just going to have to be, um, you know, really all of it's going to come down to um, D'Lo though, is D'Lo going to be able to orchestrate this in a way that works for everybody? It's, it's going to be on him. You don't want to add too much, too much playmaking for him. He's gotten better at it, but I think that that Russell, I think, should be poised for a really, really big season as a playmaker. Um, I think we, we've talked, we've kind of walked around ants too much here to not jump into it. But what are our expectations from the season? And is is this a All Star or bust year? Is this a uh, potential All NBA type of year? You know, it's easy to look at guys like him and then think like, okay, he's going to make this massive jump, but what what can we realistically expect from him this season that's different from last? I mean, I look at it, obviously, this would be so huge because it was amazing what he did last year, but I am just looking at him thinking, why why can't he pop off in a similar way that we saw Jan Morant do in his third season last year? Like, Like, Jan Morant was absolutely unbelievable last year he took huge jumps huge strides in his whole game especially in his scoring and his leadership qualities as a whole but I mean Ant has that same level of athleticism that that Jamarant has he has probably a better ability as a perimeter scorer and a three-point shooter he has that that determination to dominate you've always kind of seen that in in the way he's spoken and the way he's performed and, and improved in his couple of years in the league. So you're like, we saw the flash of it in that playoff series. Obviously only a little tidbit, but he, he bought, he, he was really impressive. Although they, they lost in six games. We saw the flash there. Why can't that keep on going and, and, and really pop off now in uh, in year three for him. Do we insert the, uh, the D-Rose? Why not? Why not MVP? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what 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 did uh what did Ja get? What kind of noise did he get? He got MVP noise, absolutely got MVP noise because of how good the Grizzlies were, and I mean how prolific he was individually, of course. But I mean, you look at his numbers: twenty-one points per game, almost four assists, almost five rebounds, um, in his second season. And the, the efficiency was okay; it was it was solid. But I think when you, when you look at his game, you saw that there were times where he was really pushing and. I think that's a great quality about him. He, he really walks his fine line as a guy who takes too many shots and a guy who's a team player. You know, he he does it both, but hasn't known how to do it in the flow of the game yet consistently throughout the year. And he gets his moments where he just goes off and he's just really feeling it. And I think that, you know, there's going to come a time, hopefully this season, where he matures and finds his spots and plays within the flow of the game and isn't forcing and is not – pushing the issue because those, those shots will come to him. That's where you're going to see the efficiency efficiency completely go up. And I think that's too, that that's, that's not just on Finch, but yeah, that's on D'Lo also. Like is, is D'Lo going to, to be able to be 
a leader and, you know, as, as the point guard really make things flow the way that they should, because there's going to be so many opportunities for, for Ant to have open shots with the gravity that Gobert has at the rim with the gravity that Cat has as a shooter and with the playmaking prowess of, of D'Lo, if Ant can just take a step back almost and let things flow and the game come to him in this season, he doesn't have to put, he doesn't have to be taking step back threes in the first possessions of the game. He does not have to be driving into the lane with, with three defenders collapsing around him. He's has so many weapons on his team now that I think once the game starts to get going and once the advantages start to become clear, like he can attack, he can do so many different things it's just like the timing. And that's when you'll see like and he's taking eight threes a game, eight, eight, almost eight and a half threes a game. He's shooting around league average, like 36%. And that's just going to skyrocket if he is not taking contested threes outside of the flow of the game, if he's not taking early shots. And you look at some of the, the mid-range pull-ups, like there's a time and a place for that. And I think also his free throw, this is one thing I do want to see though, like his free throw rate. He's only taking four free throws a game. And as a guy who just put on 11 pounds of muscle and the guy with the hops that he has um, and the explosion, it's quick first step, you expect that to go up too. So there's a lot of ways that, you know, he could jump up from being a 21 and kind of inefficient 21 point per game score to a 26, 27 point per game score on good efficiency and not even having to take more shots and not having to take away from the flow of everyone else. So I think like, I think you're absolutely right. Like there's, there's a clear path for it. And I think with everything we're hearing in media day, everything we're hearing from Chris Finch and everyone, like it's, it's pretty apparent to me that it would take a lot for this not to work out in his favor. But as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. The more you think about it, Ant is going to have a massive year. Does he get MVP votes? Does he get one? I mean, if they it, do it's well, crazy. It's, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not insane to think of. I mean, the, I think I'm not alone in saying that I'm, the, the Timberwolves are probably the team I'm most excited to watch this season just because of the addition, the growth we're going to see from, from Anthony Edwards. Delo's playing in a contract year. He's trying to earn the big money yet again. Can he really prove that and just go go all out with this team? And you just think it, if this all comes together, they, they, they're going to be a fun team to watch and you'd expect them to at least be a team where you can be confident that they'll win at least one playoff series this season with uh, with what hopefully there won't be too many injuries. Things all come together. It's going to be a really great year to be a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. And I just think what I to think the only thing I'll say is if he can bump up that free throw rate, but maybe don't end up like Jamarant where he's literally getting battered onto the floor with like every play. That's one thing that Jamarant needs to try and take out of his game because that's leading to him getting hurt. And yeah, that's something that Ant does not want to do. Yeah. Is there, is there any X factors on this team that you see? Cause I, I think we're, I mean, do, do we, do we jump on to cat? I think, I think for me, cat's pretty obvious. Like you, you now you don't have to play down low. We don't we don't have to keep talking about every year how Cat hasn't improved as a as a post player because that's not where he's he's best. Um, what would he take last year? Only six threes a game, just yeah. about. Yeah. No, he was only yeah he was at four four point nine. He should he should be taking seven threes a game. He should oh, be taking that, seven eight threes year. a game. He, he should year. he should be getting like JJ Redick volume, and. I mean, all all Cat has to do to be great this year, because this, this is a beautiful thing about this team, I think. You, you have Gobert. Gobert knows his role, exactly what he's supposed to do. You have Cat, and Cat should know his role. Like, he just has to 
literally catch and shoot. Catch and shoot, screen, be a great DHO player. You know, you can he can slip screens, get to the rim. Like he doesn't have to worry about being a post player. Doesn't have to worry about being a playmaker out of the post. I hope I hope that you know we, we've done that experiment. We've seen that experiment. All the <laughs> I think we've been seeing him try too many Jokic like things, but he doesn't have to worry about that sort of things. You can simplify his game. He can be an inside out threat, and especially the way that he can attack the rim. Like sometimes he has a Giannis like first step. Like if, when he just catches the ball, and teams are scared of him shooting. And the way they have to close out on him, the opportunities he's going to have, especially with the, the spacing on the floor with Gobert, like that's all he has to do. So I think it's really simple that if he's taking like 30, 40% more threes this year and he's cutting down on his turnovers and now he doesn't have to be this primary uh, interior defender. So cutting down on his fouls, I think the one thing that's in his hands though is the, the offensive fouls. Like the, the offensive fouls just absolutely kill the, the flow of the team. When we talked about playoffs, I thought that was a major factor um, throughout the series that he would get himself in foul trouble, he'd cause turnovers, and he'd just totally break the flow of the game for them. And that's just something that he individually needs to work on. And he's, they've talked about it in the offseason that he's, he's watched film and tried, tried to work on it. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But outside of that, it's, it should be simply a breakout year for him at least as a shooter yeah yeah 100 i mean you're the only thing you're a bit worried just kind of thinking how how comfortable can he be guarding uh power forwards rather than mm-hmm. centers that's that's gonna something we'll we'll see they'll have to try and make possibly make some adjustments there but hopefully it shouldn't be anything too too dramatic where you're thinking it's costing them their ability to win him uh him playing at the four but i mean he's one of the most efficient scorers in the league he averaged 24 and a half points last year 58% on twos, 41% on his threes. I mean, you're going to see similar sort of uh, numbers again this year. It's, it's the, the ground is there for it to only, only get better from here. I think one of the one of the big X factors is uh, is McDaniels. His uh, his potential is very big. He's a guy who's got, obviously doesn't have ant-level pressure, but there is a lot of expectations going into his third year. Great defender kind of a attack dog that you want alongside really go bear, but can he become a two-way player or is he going to be another Matisse Seibel who can be a great defender, but cannot knock down his shots. He's the word is he's been working a lot on his shooting this year, trying to get more arc. He's got to become a two-way player on this team. He shot 31 and a half percent on catch and shoot trees last year. 235%. He is going to get so many open looks this year. That number has got to rise. He has got to show himself as a two-way player on this team. Yeah, and I mentioned his cutting. I think that's I think a lot of his value is going to come from cutting. Like especially when you have when you have Rudy Gobert rolling to the rim and you're going to need to pull people into the paint. I think if 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 Finch can find him spots on the floor where he can get angles to cut to the rim, that's where he's going to be super dangerous. Like just how long he is as an athlete and how explosive he is around the rim. That's something he's going to be great at, especially in the open floor. They're fourth best in fast break points. And he's going to be a huge part of keeping that success this year. I mean, as, as a shooter, that that's going to be a tough thing because you always want guys to get better shooter. And I, I think when you look at his stroke, he doesn't have, he doesn't have terrible form. It's just really slow but he's going to have all the time in the world to, to get those shots off. It's just finding, finding his spots. But I mean, talking about how cat's game is simplified, how much more simplified is, is McDaniel's role. 
you know, he's, he's going to be tasked with being a, an excellent defender, an excellent on-ball defender, because that's going to be what allows for Gobert to be making up for just a couple of mistakes on the floor. Because <laughs> if he has to be, if he has to be correcting for everybody, like you saw at times with the jazz, that's when his value kind of goes down a bit. But um, you mentioned before how cats, cats defensive, you know, shortcomings are going to be really amplified by his, him having to defend fours. It's not just going to be on, on Gobert to help with that, but Jaden McDaniels as well. I mean, Jaden McDaniels is going to have to be an elite defender this year to, to help with that. And I think they can, they can survive with him not being a good, a good shooter. You know, it's, he, he doesn't have to be an elite shooter. You know, if he can be solid from the corner, if he can at least use the, the spacing on the floor as a cutter and do that within the flow of the game, I think, I think that's enough. But I think, think the, the big question for him is, is, is being a truly good defender because in terms of defensive box plus minus, you know, that's not really apparent there. Defensive win share is not really there. There's, there's not a lot of, a lot of evidence about him being a plus defender. I mean, you, you see the potential, you see it in flashes, but throughout the game, he's not been well, a consistently. The foul, the foul trouble has been been a problem. With yes, him. He, he needs to find like hopefully just that's just a growth. He's still a young player, yeah. so hopefully he'll you'll see that more more growth in his game, and he, he won't be in as much foul trouble as we saw through all of last season. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think yeah, the foul trouble getting that under control, um, which is hugely important because you need him on the floor. You you need another wing out there and Torian Prince is not going to get it done if he's if he's the guy that you're choosing fine off the bench but um shooting he'll get it done Torian Prince man popped off as a shooter last year in the second half of last season man um well moving out of the bench then do we do we feel pretty good about their bench does this feel like a, a complete team there is still some gaps there's still some spots where you're thinking they're a little bit light I think, like in terms of natural point guard, obviously you only really have McLaughlin to back up, to back up D'Lo. But I liked some of the smaller additions they made. They they were really clever, smart moves. Like getting Kyle Anderson was a really, really good pickup for this team. I mean, if you can come in, continue to to be able to get to the rim and score there, and and possibly even start hitting the odd corner three, which would be big. But he also has that bit of a handle and he can pass the ball. So you're liking him. He comes in, he could play with either Gobert or Towns, especially with Gobert if he's uh, able to kind of hit from the corner. That'd be that'd be really important. And then with Towns, he's going to be wanting to space the floor more so he can come in and and continue to do his thing inside, which is where he thrives. And, and the passing ability really helps as well. And then the likes of like Austin Rivers and... Uh, and Bryn Forbes, those are two guys who can come in and they can kind of make up for like the absence of some of the guys like Malik Busy that they lost in the Gobert trade. That's some of the important shooting that they lost. Those guys can come in and just be efficient three-point shooters. That's going to make a big difference for this team. Yeah, maybe it, uh, I, I'm remembering, uh, uh, was it last year? It was last year Austin Rivers had like a 100%. Yeah, he went uh, – 10 for 10 in a half last year with the Knicks, like 25 points in 11 minutes. <laughs> Maybe you can bring that again to the, the Wolves. That, that had been like one of the best halves of basketball ever, just in the midst of a, another shit New York season. But, uh, but him too, I, I don't think anyone's talking about Rivers. Nobody's talking about, um, about slow-mo Kyle Anderson, those two guys, particularly defensively that the, the type of intensity and leadership they're going to bring on that end of the floor, not just for the second unit, but for 
for their rotation throughout, you know, not just the regular season, but the playoffs. You need guys like that to commit to that end of the floor and make them better. Um, I, I think a lot of people are talking about Jalen Noel as a, as a big boost for them scoring off the bench. Um, that's, that's a big Timberwolves thing. I'm, I'm not as a, as a, you know, as not a hardcore Timberwolves man, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure of it. You know, you, you see it from time to time, but, but that's, uh, I, I'd say me hoping Kobe White's going to be the, the, the big spark plug off the bench is a little more realistic than that. But I, I'm, I'm between him and, uh, you know, look at a guy like Eric Pascal. Pascal did not do anything with the Jazz, but had like a really solid year with, with the Warriors. I think, is there a place for a guy like Eric Pascal to, to reclaim, you know, a spot in the NBA on this team? He was a really interesting, versatile forward for, for the, the Warriors, can put the ball on the floor, um, theoretically can space floor a little bit, just can do a little bit of everything. Um, can, can he make a bounce back on this team? Now we're getting yeah, real to the defense I mean, roster. <laughs> I, think, I think there is there is a role for him on this team. I think he was a great pickup because I'm pretty sure they got him on a two-way contract. And that's that's a that's a big that's a big plus for them. And I think he's gonna accept as well. He's just gonna go out there like this is what we need you to do. Go out and do that, and you will play a role on this team. And I think that's exactly the type of role that he'll he'll be able to come in and he can thrive in for this team. Yeah, um, he's going to be competing with uh, another deep take, Nathan Knight. I don't know if you saw Nathan Knight on, on – he was one of those randoms on the Atlanta Hawks team last year when they just had nobody, and he was he was like a huge surprise. He'd be that guy randomly just dropping like 18, 20 points in a game, just like throwing down dunks and going after loose walls. They they have – I think they're, they're, they are developing a culture, you know, just to, to zoom out – they're, they are developing a competitive culture on the scene. Like there are spots to be fought for. I mean, you even got Luca Garza, the uh, guy that, you know, he has his, his core uh, group of fans across the NBA thinking that he deserves a spot. You, you got these two forwards. Um, you got young guys like Minot and Wendell Moore, guys who are going to be really hungry to be getting a spot in the roster. You know, there's going to be a lot of healthy competition on this team and they're deep, they're young, they have to fight. We didn't even talk about uh, the the other J Mac Jordan McLaughlin. That guy's definitely earned a spot in the rotation as defender. They, they've got they've got pieces here that I think are going to fit around not just their big three, but Gobert in a way that you know a team didn't fit around him in Utah. That's going to amplify his defensive effect, amplify what he does on the court, rather than him just protecting them from how bad they were defensively. Like I think this is going to be, you know. Not just uh, if, if, we're, if we're just talking about Gobert, it's going to be a redemption story in a way for, for Gobert, for people to see like what he can actually bring to a championship quality team if things come together here. And I, I have faith. I have faith in it. When you look up and down the, this roster, the, the kind of guys that they have here and what they did last season, just the little tweaks, the little tweaks they need to make to their individual games and what they did on the floor. I, I think things are really looking out for this team. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing that the Timberwolves do is make sure that they give Rudy Gobert almost a new role in Minnesota. They don't try and make him the same guy that he was out in Utah, the guy that that made up for everyone else's shortcomings on defense. That can't be it. He has to be the lead defender. He has to be the guy, the floor for everyone else to to improve and get better, but at least you know what, like there, there might be a few ground pains early on, but they have a pretty nice start to the season, the Timberwolves. I mean, they play Thunder twice, they play the Jazz, they have the Spurs three times, the Rockets, the Knicks, the Magic. 
in their first 15, the only playoff teams from last year they play are the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Cavaliers, and the Bucks. So, I mean, they're going to have games where they might not have to be at 100% to pick up wins, and they can afford to kind of see some some growing pains uh, showing there. But they, they could get off to a really, really hot start this year, and I'm looking at it. I know we keep saying that. I think that they're definite playoff certs. I think they're going to win 50 games this year and be a top four seed in the Western Conference. Top four seed. So that that was my big question. Can they be a top four seed? And I agree. Like they, if things come together, because we're we're talking hopefuls here, but we're talking realistic ceiling. And that's when I think Anthony Edwards, if he's having the season, I think you know that's when he can get MVP votes like Ja did. Mm-hmm. And it sounds crazy right now. But you fast forward and all it takes is like the, the public perception. They play those teams and they like go on like a like a 10 and one start or something. That buzz is going to start like real quick. That, that's going to so you, you might as well rough draft your your article for for are the Timberwolves the team to beat in the West <laughs> right now? Because it, people are going to be talking about it, like you said, in the, the first part of the season, because that's man, that's a buffet. That's a that's a all you can eat buffet right there. That that first part of the schedule. You know the Bucks are not gonna they're not gonna be caring too much next first start of the season. They're gonna be relaxing, they're gonna be chilling. Yeah, it's Get gonna be there. good. It's gonna gonna be good, gonna be good for Minnesota. But uh I think we'll finish up there and switch over to the LA Lakers. I am I'm repping them here with my with my hoodie <laughs> and uh a lot, a lot to talk about with the with the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, last season was just a a disaster 33 and 49 they couldn't even make the play in tournament in the in the western conference i mean health was a big factor defense shooting as a whole the only real strength they have is their star power which is what got them their probably yeah like 30 of their 33 wins but ultimately it didn't really have any sort of positive impact on it and it just left them to be looked at as the laughing stock of the nba for for the majority of last season, but with the new season, yeah, yeah, new coach, a lot of new additions. Can they bounce back and get back into being a playoff team this year? Can they? Yes, of course they can. They have, they have LeBron. That that last year was the only. I feel like last year is okay. Not the only year I bet against LeBron. I, I bet I bet against him foolishly. The 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 year that they won the championship. <laughs> but I, I feel like that it's it's not just about LeBron because it, do we do we give a little shout out to LeBron here? I know you, I know you want to. I know it's 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 this is the only reason we're talking to the Lakers so you can talk about LeBron. Because <laughs> he was amazing last year. Um this fun fact and I'm sure anyone who's a LeBron fan knows this very well because they're defending him night in night out on Twitter. But he had his highest point total I believe last season. 30.3 points per game. That That is not really a talk, a, a big talking point. And look at his block and his steal rate. That mirrored his Miami uh, Miami days. So he's not going to be a lockdown lock uh, on-ball defender this year, but clearly a more locked-in team defender last year, and especially the experiments that they did with him as a small ball center and things like that. Um and his free throw rate too. I mean, they weren't like prime Miami days, but he had an uptick since the past few years. Like, it's not like he's slowly declining. You see most players, they get older. Uh, and newsflash, he's going to turn 38 this year. His, his free throw rate's looking fine. Took the most amount of threes this, this year. 
you shot around like league average. So it's not his greatest skill, but clearly evolving his game still. You know, this guy, I don't think this guy's going to change. This guy's not going to change until he wants to. And he clearly doesn't want to. He's, he's running it back. So I, I'm not I'm not worried about LeBron, but only thing I'll say on him is I just hope that he probably he he, he shouldn't be playing than they meant the minutes that he played last year. He was having yeah, thirty seven point exactly. two minutes per game. He should be somewhere around the the thirty four mark or so. I think this year would be that that would be that would be just a sign that the Lakers are in a better place. Exactly. Yeah. Like he cannot be playing that many minutes, and and you look at his assist total too. Like he he should not be at around like six assists a game. Like this team, it this is not is not his fault either. He does not have anyone to pass to. He does not have the spacing to pass to. But I guess when we when we answer the question, can they make the playoffs? We're gonna have to evaluate the rest of this team. So I mean, do we? Do you want to talk about Russ? Do you want to talk about their their awkward guard rotation? Do you want to talk about you know their front court? Is Thomas Bryant a, a legit starting set? I, where, where do you where do you begin here? Where do you evaluate first? I mean, I guess the big question mark is is Russell Westbrook how how can he fit in with this team last year? I mean, last year it just looked everything about Russell Westbrook playing with the Lakers just looked so forced and awkward all the time. Obviously, he still had a pretty a very decent season stats wise, but I mean, you think about it like he looked just so out of place. Like considering the fact that he's been one of the best guards in the NBA over over the past decade. And then he was coming off a season where he averaged a 22-point triple-double in uh, in Washington. And then he just comes into L.A. and it just looks like all the things that are making him great, he wasn't able to, to really do them in L.A. He wasn't able to – he didn't have enough shooters around him to be able to dish as much. And he just couldn't do the things. And he was slowly – we just looked like he was slowly on the decline, but I mean, the all the talk is that he's he's there, he's committed now. They've gone and kind of gone away from the fact that they're gonna play him uh, as a six man coming off the bench. Him and Pat Bev are apparently best buddies now, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's just, can they find the right role for him within this team? Big pressure on uh, on the new coach to figure that one out. Um. This is not a this is not an actual NBA analysis thing. This is just a a a two K thought, if you, if you may. Um, but when I think about like his best role on this team, if that's what it is, Im- imagine him being like a supercharged Bruce Brown al- alongside um, LeBron and AD. The question is like if you put like Russ on like the wizards if you put him on the magic if you put him on any team that did not have a ball dominant player and you can just let him Russ is gonna be Russ. I, I don't i don't question his ability as a ball dominant scorer as a as a playmaker he's still an f- amazing passer but i think what, what russ could do as an off-ball player is not a shooter and i hope that's not what they try to you know you've seen all these videos of him shooting this, this offseason of course you do you see videos of ben simmons shooting and i don't think anyone should put any sort of value into that if anyone sends a, a, a Twitter video of him shooting open court gym shots, I just, I'm not going to watch it because I don't care. But if, if he can, if he can channel that, and I know it's funny just to mention him in the same light as Bruce Brown, but Bruce Brown is amazing in what he does as a screener. And he, he does have his, has his moments as a shooter. He knows his spots, 
but what he does moving off ball, using his athleticism and as a roller getting to the rim. I mean, that's something that Russell Westbrook could do at an elite level as a, as a roller to the rim and what he could do just getting downhill. And I think if he could just, if, if Darvin Ham finds a way to, to channel that out of him and to make that work alongside AD and LeBron, I mean, that, that guy's a, a coach of the year candidate, like legit. If, if he, if he makes this work, because I mean, in traditional, traditional NBA set, you're very limited to what you can do with him out there. I mean, that that's, that's not his fault. I mean, LeBron James is not an elite floor spacer. Anthony Davis is not an elite floor spacer. Thomas Bryant is a theoretical floor spacer. He shot pretty well a couple of years ago on like less than two shots a game. Uh, Pat Bev, is that your floor spacer? Okay. There's there's no one on, on the floor right now in their projected potential starting lineup um, and throw in whoever you want. Um, Kendrick Nunn, his best shooting year is 38% from three. It's good. It's pretty good, especially on volume, but he's by no means not going to prevent defenses from just keeping everyone out of the paint. So I, I don't know how Darwin Ham's going to do it. It's going to take some serious wizardry to, to make that work out. But as an off-ball player, maybe things, maybe things can work. But, yeah. yeah. You have to look at it with Russ and just think, in his head, he just should just be thinking about rebounding, playmaking, and facilitating. That will lead to him getting some, yeah. some scores. Like when you, think, when you talk about his ability to roll and things like that. He should only be thinking about scoring first when he's possibly playing as part of the second unit. You think whatever way the rotation works, he might be the guy who starts the the second quarter and the fourth quarter with the, with the second unit. That's the only time where scoring should be on his mind. And if he can accept that sort of role, he can definitely be a much more viable piece of this Lakers team. And it will allow the Lakers to be able to go and really honestly have a, a good season their first good season since they they won the title back in the bubble but one thing you would say with guys like obviously the shooters they're not they're not really there for this team obviously Pat Bev had a great catch and shoot year last year on volume for for the T-Wolves but you know the likes of like even Brown Jr. Reeves uh, Lonnie Walker Bryant uh, LBJ and AD they, they're all going to benefit from the the passing ability that Russell Westbrook has and the fact that the the other guys like the attention that's going to be on AD and LeBron those other guys are going to get a lot of open looks so if there really is potential there this is the year where they should they should be able to find it yeah and I think that I don't know why I why do I always have like car metaphors when it comes to players I, I don't know what it is but it just always comes to me but like I don't know you, you think you think of like the the best um, playmakers in this league because I mean R- Russell Westbrook's getting so many of his assists um, you know not not in not in a very tactical half-court way it's, it's the chaos that he creates getting to the rim it's the chaos that he creates um, in the fast break that exciting explosive play and I, I, I wonder how much of that he can he can channel in a very you know decided tactical way that the way that you'd want him to play in this kind of this roster. And I feel like he's like a, he's like a straightaway speed Mustang and you're asking him to be like this, this streetcar and, and be like slowing down, slowing down his pace and taking his time being patient. And I've never, I've never watched Russell Westbrook be that kind of player. Is he still going to be able to be an elite passer 
playing that that type of way. And he's he's always gotten his assists off of you know being ball dominant and off of bending the defense with his athleticism. But I that's that's an interesting thing for me is can how can a guy like him evolve? Because he's so good at doing what he does and what he does, you know, causes create chaos for both sides, it causes chaos for his own team, causes chaos for the other team. And when he was on the Thunder, when he was on the, the Wizards, it didn't really matter. But now that it matters, can he switch up? Can he, can you ask him to be a completely different kind of machine? And that, that would be, that would be such a fascinating um, storyline this season. You know, if this is such an important season for this whole team and for Russ and his career, for LeBron and his career, for, for Anthony Davis, I mean, Anthony Davis, which who we should get to as well, like, you know, the expectation should be high for him. Um, but it, it feels like all of these fates are colliding in a year that everyone expects him to be bad. And a lot of this is going to come down to an evolution of a player who has refused to. And I don't know if he's capable of evolving at all. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be tough to see. It's something we obviously we we barely have even seen a a sign that he is capable of adapting. But is is he just just sticking around here to to pick up his uh probably his last big uh, his big paycheck? Is that why he's opted in to stay here, or is he opting in and also committing to doing what he can? Obviously, the other players have to have to. Uh, show a bit of room to to grow and uh, be able to allow Russ to do to do his best things as well but uh, the bit the it's most important in Russ is uh Russ's mentality that he's able to find a way to he can still showcase some of his best skills but he, he just has to change that that game up that little bit if he's going to be a viable member of the team and if the Lakers are really going to going to challenge but you mentioned Anthony Davis let's get into him we talked about it before. Anthony Davis was meant to be the best player on the Lakers by now. Now the question leading into this year is, can Anthony Davis become the top dog in LA? It's There's, there's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of expectation on him as well. I mean, you, you're hearing a lot of talk around the league. A lot of guys are projecting him to have huge bounce back year. He's going to have MVP season. You're seeing that from a lot of uh, a lot of voices the big thing is that he's actually just out on the court. I mean, he's played just 76 of 154 regular season games over the last two seasons. Last season, he's there for the first 30, then he's out for 17, comes back for 10, and he's out for another 18. So it's very difficult to get into any sort of flow and to really be relying on him as the as the main guy on this team. But still only 29. You think back to that first year he had with the Lakers where they won the title. I really thought that he was the best player in the NBA at that stage and he was going to go and take the next steps and just be absolutely dominant for this Lakers team. I mean, he was unbelievable that year. 26 points, nine boards, 2.3 blocks, one and a half, one and a half steals, shot 50% from the field. He's 33% in the threes, which is pretty good for him. And 85% from the free throw line. And then, he took that to to the next level then in the playoffs. And I honestly thought that he probably should have been finals MVP. That's how good he was. And throughout the entire playoffs in the bubble, he was just unbelievable. This year, he has got to come in and be a 25-10 guy averaging two blocks a game. He's got to come in and be the dominant guy. He's got to be the leader for this team. And he's got to be on the floor. 
That's the big thing. He's got to be healthy. He, the Lakers need him to play 60 games this year. Yeah. I mean, the health is first and foremost, the biggest thing for him. It's always been the biggest thing for him. Um, and just in terms of the, the expectations, I think that's true. Everyone is expecting him to be great. But the quote that you pulled from uh, the presser, it was yesterday. Um, you said, I'm not going to put that pressure on myself to be a, a Greek God. And then he corrected himself. He's like, I'm not, I'm not talking about Giannis, but like a God, like people expect me to be a God. And he just went on to talk about how, you know, and it's good to hear him talk about, you know, doing whatever the team needs him to do. But I think that's, that's really, it's funny that he puts it that way because it wasn't too long ago that we were thinking like, okay, who's going to be the best player in the league? Is it going to be AD, you know, in, in his prime and as he was before he got shipped off to LA or is it going to be Giannis? Is like Giannis is starting to emerge in, in Milwaukee. And I think it's pretty clear that there's a massive gap between them two. And it's funny that he, he slipped and he, he put it that way that he's not going to be a Greek God because their mentality is so different. Like Giannis also has a humble mentality, but he expects himself to be the best. He expects himself to be the cornerstone of the Bucks' success and that brought them a championship. And that, that menta- mentality is, I think, for me, not just the health, but that's the difference between a guy who's going to lead the league, not just his team, and a guy like AD who's going to be a complimentary piece to LeBron. And I, I'm not going to pull like that one statement and just make all these assumptions, but it kind of fits from what you've seen throughout his time in LA that he, he was an, he's an elite elite sidekick to LeBron but there hasn't been a time where like it feels like the torch has been passed Mm -hmm. it it doesn't feel like LeBron has played off of AD AD has played off of LeBron if LeBron left tomorrow what is what is this team that there's I I think there was this this very solid hope that when you traded for AD AD was going to be the next guy he was going to be it he was going to be that next star for the Lakers and he is a star this is not to diminish how good Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is a tremendously good player, but Anthony Davis is not a top 10 player. He's not, and things could change this year, but I think to, to expect him to be, and I think he's right. Like I, I don't expect him to be a God. I don't expect him to be a, a top 10 player. You know, I just expect him to hit mid range jump shots and I, I, I expect him to stay healthy. And then the shooting, honestly, like I, I don't think I'm going to expect him to do the three point shooting, but you hope that he's going to be better than he like last year was abysmal. And if you actually look at his numbers the last few years, they've been terrible. They've like a blind man shooting. Like he is like, he, <laughs> like he, I'm not, I'm not asking him to be the greatest big man shooter of all time. I'm not asking him to be cat, but I mean, he's got to be around the 33, 34% mark on his threes. Yeah. I mean, is he, is he all of a sudden going to start shooting threes? I mean, this is the, this is the thing that maybe Thomas Bryant brings in. Like can, yeah. can 80, 80 is amazing in the post. 80 is amazing in the post. Um, the problem is when you have no shooters on the floor, you can't be so amazing in the post when the defense can just send doubles and not care about who's shooting, not care that Russ is there shooting. Um, and that was a big problem last year, actually. And I hope that this is going to be a Darvin Ham thing. Darvin Ham talked about a lot about, you know, offensively playing four or four out. So putting AD in the post and spacing the floor. And you've seen, we've seen how he's been training this year using a lot of, uh, Coach Bud's principles of of spacing, um, which is funny because uh, who's gonna who's gonna emerge as a shooter on the team? Who are who are they gonna be their shooters? Because those are gonna be the players who start. And 
you know, Pat Bev, you, you hope you, you hope you have lineups there with, with none with, with Bev. Um, if, if JTA is out there, maybe he's, he's improved his stroke, but whoever's on the team that wants to get minutes, who wants to play alongside AD, who wants to play alongside LeBron James, they're going to have to shoot. Cause if, if Darvin Ham wants to be playing four out and just use their elite inside scores, which, you know, AD is probably that guy they're going to have to do it. So Thomas Bryant, I think that's, that's a key guy who's going to unlock some of these lineups. If you can play AD at the four, play Brian at the five, if Brian can shoot, that's, that's a big question mark. I mean, you saw it a couple of years ago, a little bit, but, um, but that's going to be a key to what they can do successfully with AD. Yeah. I think you, you talk about like, obviously not the top 10 player, the, the kind of the mentality to, to truly be the best isn't there, but at the same time, you look at this Lakers team and you're saying he's the guy that you need on both ends of the court for the team to be at their best still. Even mm-hmm. though, even if LeBron is still the guy, you need Anthony Davis as your your floor, your grounding for, for your defense, and you need to be able to play off him and, and go to him in the post uh, on the offensive end. And if that's not there, that just completely throws this team off and it leads to the likes of Russ just going all out, trying to do all the score and LeBron doing the same thing. And that's just not going to bring success to this team. Yeah. I'm, and I, I wish I, I wish I had looked this up, but you know, just by the eye test, something that surprised me is the, the lack of success between Russ and AD. And, and I think I, I'm going to give credence to one thing you did say is that, you know, he, he assessed that they had not spent enough time together. That's why they weren't successful. And it's true. I mean, the, the only, their big three, only had two major lineups with 40 minutes or more. They had 47 minutes with the big three and they had DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore. That was a negative 14.2 net rating. 42 minutes with Taylor Horton Tucker and Avery Bradley. That was a plus 1.3 net rating. They've only had, they've had less than hundred minutes together. So it, it is possible, you know, with that pairing there, I expected to have much, greater success, but they just haven't had a lot of time to play together because Russ is a downhill player and AD as, you know, alongside Gobert is one of the best love threats in this league. You know, that should be something that they can go to a lot. And maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it just takes another offseason. It takes health. It takes time on the court together and things switch up from that regard. Cause there's definitely something to be had there um, on the offense. The the defense though is, is where I'm still just worried uh, as a team. I mean, it, um, it's always funny when you talk to a coach about like their, their mentality in terms of defense. Cause they just end up talking about everything. Like defense is just being good at everything. Cause he was like, we want to effort, effort, emphasize effort on, on ball defense, keeping, uh, people out of the paint, fighting over screens, you know, being disciplined. It's like, that's like defense. Like you're going to emphasize being good at defense, but who do they put out there to do that? You know, is Russ all of a sudden going to be a good defender? Um, LeBron James, can he play the three? Because if you have Bryant and AD out there, is he going to play the three? Or is he going to play the five alongside AD? And defensively, I, I think you you actually – I'd love to see JT out there a little bit more. I, I think he has a chance to break into this lineup with his his defensive versatility. Um, Austin Reeves seems to be a favorite, but I'm, I'm not sure how much he really brings um, defensively in terms of a, a playoff mindset. But – that that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. Who who's going to show up on this team to to prove that they're a defense first type of player? You don't you don't see that out of Kendrick Nunn either. 
definitely not Dennis Schroeder. You've not really seen that from Lonnie Walker. You don't have guys who that's their thing. Does, does that become a, a point of evolution for some of these role players that they embrace that role and, and change and become a good defender because of it? Maybe. I mean, there has to be a couple of them that are kind of going to just going to be challenged to, to do that. You think maybe uh, Lonnie Walker could be one where you kind of just look at him and you think you need to be at this level on the defensive end if you want to be playing minutes in this team. It's not like he's going to be an amazing like scorer or like three-point shooter like just straight off the bat. You know that's going to happen. He's still that little bit of a question mark, but there's going to have to be challenges made to guys to to earn, be able to earn minutes on this team and possibly earn starting minutes as well. But, you know, when, when AD is there, you, obviously you got that pain protection, you have that defensive block, and you think, obviously, you probably have the, the attack dog. He's going to be the, the league kind of on-ball defender. But then I, I believe LeBron will be better with a guy when AD is on the floor. Obviously, he's not the defensive player that he once was, but when he know, when he's got that little bit of a cover in, in Davis, you know he's going to be able to do that, that little bit more. Russ... Obviously, we know we know what Russ is. Brian's gonna have to step up big, especially if he's playing starting minutes. And then you kind of also look and think there's there might still be moves to had to 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 make for the team, but some of the uh, free agents that are still out there, you're thinking the Lakers are likely gonna probably have to look at picking up a couple of them. If they can find a move for Jay Crowder, that would be pretty big. Yeah, that would be really big. They, they, they need a guy like that. But, you, you know, every everybody in the league is going to ask the Lakers for a first-round pick. Yeah. You're going to trade a first-round pick for Jay Crowder? Or maybe they, they get away with uh, with without doing it. It was interesting that they they missed on on getting um, Boyan. And Detroit got him for nothing. Kelly Kelly Olenek and, and uh, a guy who wasn't going to play was probably going to get cut. Um, no, no, no offense to Saban Lee, but it is what it is. But yeah, it's it seems like this is this is the roster that they have, and you know, there's there's been so much talk, unfortunately, that amongst the Lakers community about like whose fault is it, whose fault is it? Like they're already predicting their own doom. I've I've actually never I've never seen a Lakers fan fan base so ready for a bad season with a guy like LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook on their team. <laughs> like it's crazy to think about, but it's. This is the roster that they've created. This is what they can deal with, and it, it does come to, come down to to AD. Come, comes down to comes down to Russ. I I, I think that I, I do think that with more time, though, like, like he had said, that they'll get better. But what what's our actual expectation? We've talked about so many Western Conference teams that are definitely getting better. Like there's evidence for it. There's there's precedence for it. There's reason. But with the Lakers, it's all it's all hope. It's all star power. I mean, that was the one bright spot you said last year. I, I don't know how you quantify star power, but w- what can we actually expect from them? Like, I mean, it's 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 going to be tough, and uh, they don't have they don't have an easy start either. Their first fifteen, they are facing the Warriors, the Blazers, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Cavaliers, the Nets. They play the Clippers twice. They play the Nuggets twice. If it's if it's not all clicking at the start, they could really be up against it from from an early stage. In my head, I'm looking at it and thinking, if AD is healthy, he plays sixty plus games. The Lakers will be in the playoffs. If AD is like he was last year, only plays 35, 40, 
they are they'll be probably doing well just to be in the playing almost. That's 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 just that's the difference I think AD makes to this team. Yeah, I think when you have LeBron, you have AD. When when you have this talent, if you get into the playoffs and things slow down, things get messy, comes down to every possession, and you have LeBron James on your team. Like if they could just get in the play, I think that's when when it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. That that's when things start to look a little different. Maybe maybe then you can wonder how they can they withstand a Grizzlies team. Are you going to bet against LeBron in a seven game series against a younger team like the Pelicans? Now that would be that would be the the matchup of the century. That would be really fun to watch. The, the Zion Williamson and all the players that Brandon Ingram playing against his former team. That would be fun, but you, you go up and down the West. I'm not going to bet against those other teams to be better than them in the regular season, but it's just a goal of getting into the playoffs. I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting against LeBron James in a seven game series against any team, except for maybe the Warriors, any team, except for maybe the Warriors. Cause so, it's, it's, so, it's LeBron James. Yeah. It's LeBron yeah. James. That's it. That's, that's the, that's it. That's the tweet. I, I, I gotta say, but one thing I'll say, will, will we get the true battle of LA this year? Do you think? Do you think there's a chance of, of, a, of a real battle between these two LA teams, not only within the regular season and the standings, but do you think there's a chance we could get it come come playoff time? Because I mean, we have to get it at least once, don't we? That would mean that would mean the Clippers would have to be as bad as the Lakers, like a Western Conference Finals, Clippers, Lakers. That would mean the, and I don't think the Clippers are going to be down there. But we'll we'll get it a few times this year in the regular season. But I I don't, or maybe you know maybe maybe the the battle the battle of LA would happen in the first round, if it's if it's Lakers in the play in, and the Clippers at that that one seed or two seed, that that's something we could see. But I don't I don't think the Lakers can be that high. <laughs> I don't think the the Clippers are going to be that low. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's probably fair, but uh, let's let's put it this way, Lakers. You're relying big on uh, on AD. AD has to be this guy this year, and Russell Westbrook has to has to accept a, a different role on this team. But uh, I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. Uh, I am Ron again. My thanks to to Christian for joining me. We'll be continuing with our Western Conference previews. Got uh, I think we still got six teams to do. It could be could be Denver and the LA Clippers up next. Two of the teams that are expected to be uh, right up the very top. But uh, thank you all very much for listening. And if you like what you are hearing, please subscribe and follow us on all your favorite social channels. From Twitter to TikTok, we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.